all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, Mississippi and surrounders. It's great to be back live on MPB Think Radio, and you're listening to Southern Remedy, our weekly regular broadcast of whatever you're thinking about in medicine. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. It's Southern Remedy, all things considered. Wednesday, December the 4th, and I have a special guest I'll introduce when we get back. But whatever you're thinking about with the new year and medical issues, give us a call. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And our email is southernremedy at mpbonline.org. We'll take your email car, call or your live call right after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. With just 16 days to go before Donald Trump is sworn in as the country's next president, congressional Republicans are poised to repeal the Affordable Care Act. NPR Susan Davis reports that Vice President-elect Mike Pence is back on Capitol Hill today, huddling with members of the GOP on the early plans for the incoming Trump administration. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill say Pence will be such a regular here this year that they're giving him an extra office on the House side of the Capitol. That's in addition to the vice president's office on the Senate side. Pence started the morning meeting with House Republicans, in which he reiterated the Trump administration's position on health care. My message to members of Congress is that we are going to be in the promise-keeping business. And the first order of business is to keep our promise to repeal Obamacare and replace it with the kind of health care reform that will lower the cost of health insurance without growing the size of government. Pence told lawmakers he expects President-elect Donald Trump to sign executive orders affecting health care on his first day in office. Susan Davis, NPR News, the Capitol. President Obama was also on Capitol Hill today to advise congressional Democrats on how to best protect the Affordable Care Act, a central part of his legacy. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi addressed reporters after the meeting and criticized her Republican counterparts for launching an effort that she projects is doomed to fail. The Republicans say repeal and replace. The only thing that has going for it is alliteration. They have no replacement plan. They have no replacement plan because they just, they can't, they can't agree. They don't have the votes for a replacement plan. But both sides have expressed support for key parts of ACA, such as ensuring coverage for patients with pre-existing conditions. President-elect Trump's nominee for Secretary of State is formally severing ties with ExxonMobil. The company's CEO, Rex Tillerson, is receiving a $180 million severance package before he is due to face a Senate confirmation hearing. In his opening statement, Dylan Roof says he is not mentally ill and explains his reasons for representing himself. He faces the death penalty in the sentencing phase of his case for murdering nine black worshipers at a Charleston church in 2015. South Carolina Public Radio's Alexandra Olgan has the latest. Acting as his own lawyer in street clothes, Roof addressed the jury for about two minutes. He said he's representing himself to prevent his lawyers from introducing mental health evidence because he says there's nothing wrong with him and he doesn't want to lie to the jury. 
he also asked jurors to forget what his lawyers had said during the guilt phase of the trial. The government prosecutor said in opening statements that Roof had expressed no remorse. He showed the jury Roof's writings from jail. In it, Roof said, I would like to make it crystal clear. I do not regret what I did. I have not shed a tear for the innocent people I killed. For NPR News, I'm Alexandra Olgan in Charleston, South Carolina. At last check on Wall Street, the Dow was up 46 points at 19,928. NASDAQ is up 44 and the S&P is up 12. This is NPR. An investigation is underway into an incident with a Long Island Railroad train that struck a bumper block and derailed as it was rolling into a Brooklyn station this morning. Stephen Neston of member station WNYC says more than 100 people were hurt. 103 people were injured. None of them were life-threatening. Right now, the worst injury is a fractured leg. Governor Andrew Cuomo was here, and he gave a press conference and said uh, the city was lucky that it wasn't much worse. The train in Hoboken, New Jersey, recently, uh, similar incidents, the train didn't stop when it reached the terminus resulted in death. Uh, There was nothing like that here. That's Stephen Nesson reporting. A French court has convicted four British men of racist violence for pushing a black man off the Paris metro. NPR's Eleanor Beardsley reports the incident took place in 2015 ahead of a soccer game between French and British teams. A bystander filmed the incident and the video went viral, outraging people on both sides of the English Channel. It shows a group of Chelsea fans making racist statements while they repeatedly push a man off the train. Now a French judge has convicted the four men and handed down suspended prison sentences and fines. The men denied uttering racist slurs but admit they had been drinking. Speaking on French radio, the victim, Suleiman Sila, said bringing the men to justice was important. They needed to know they hurt a family man, he said. This incident really traumatized my children. Eleanor Beardsley, NPR News, Paris. U.S. stocks are trading higher this hour with the Dow up now 47 points at 19,929. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Mile IQ. The Mile IQ app automatically tracks business miles to streamline and maximize deductions or expenses. The Mile IQ app is available for download in the App Store and Google Play. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy, All Things Considered. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics, and I, I have a special guest who's with me today, Dr. Talwar. I'll introduce in just a second. But it's All Things Considered on this particular uh, version of Southern Remedy, and we haven't been live for about two weeks, so welcome back to a live show. That means you'll be able to call in right now at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four unless you're listening on Sunday real early. If you're listening on Sunday real early, we'll get up. It's time to get out. Welcome to Southern Remedy. Uh so anything you want to talk about is something we want to talk about on this particular version of Southern Remedy, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or 
southernrevedmpbonline.org. Let me tell you, we have been inundated over the holidays with really sick folks with this virus that's going around. And a lot of kids and adults are uh, getting it. And it, <clears throat> what's happening is a lot of them are coming in for flu testing, and the ones who have had flu shots are not uh, flu positive. So we're not seeing that much flu. We're not seeing the myalgias and the high fever. We're seeing this respiratory thing that uh, goes on for days with cough and sputum production, some kind times uh, uh, discharge from the nose. And then about a week later, we're seeing ear problems. And I don't know exactly why that is, but folks are getting a lot of uh, middle ear complaints, pain in their ears, and some of them are actually getting infections, which we call otitis media. So we'll be happy to give you some uh, ideas on how to treat your um, upper respiratory tract infections uh, with over-the-counter medicines or uh, when to go to the doctor. If you give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, 672 7464 We also uh, are trying to get those folks who have not had their flu shots, it's still not too late to get them, to get them because we anticipate a pretty heavy flu season this year. And so if you haven't gotten that or you are adverse to getting your flu shot, give us a call and we can talk to you about that at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's back to school and we're expecting some very, very cold weather here this weekend. Uh, it's time to talk about what to do if you have to work outside in the cold to prevent uh, cold-associated injuries, and there are a lot of them you can get. So if you want to talk about that, that's another topic. Uh, Speaking of other topics, we also, uh, uh, this time of year, are talking about all the things that we can do to prevent problems. And so I'm very happy to have um, a colleague who was on our recent breast cancer uh, video on uh, on public broadcasting that is now archived uh, on the NPR website. That's mpbonline.org. Click on Southern Remedy. And uh, that, that, that show actually had a lot of viewers. And so one of the stars of that show was Dr. Talwar. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Good to be here. And you spend, uh, you, you spend a lot of your personal capital training in radiology and diagnostic radiology in, in, in Florida, which is a nice warm place to be right now. Yes. Yes, especially Gainesville, where you were. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, it's not too bad uh, other places in Florida, like uh, uh, the other place you were. <laughs> Tampa. Yeah? Yes. And uh, you've also been in Texas. So you've been at most of the major cancer centers uh, training in diagnosis of breast cancer and you're using a lot of new fancy tests so there's been a lot of controversy about uh, diagnosis and prevention of cancer breast cancer and cancer in men and other things we also want to talk about so give us a call at one 672 mpb ring or send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org, and we will uh, 
try our very best to answer your question. So uh, when someone, uh, let's let's start with a little bit of controversy. And by the way, we're not limiting our questions just to breast cancer. Anything you want to talk about is germane to us today. Um, so uh, there's been a lot of controversy about self-examination. Yes. <clears throat> I've taught patients in my primary care practice for years uh, how to do a good breast exam. And, um, and I told you before the program that I've even started teaching men how to do this because I've, I almost missed a breast cancer recently in a patient, uh, by forgetting to do the breast exam on, cause we don't traditionally do them. Right. And I've started doing them and my nurse practitioner came in behind me and did it and found something and saved the guy's life. So, um, um, what do you think about that? Who, what is, where is the controversy coming from about self-examinations? I think it's um, now the breast self-examination has been reworded. It's, they're now trying to call it breast self-awareness. I think it's to limit the so-to-call false positive things, you know, because women have lumpy breasts and they feel something almost every month with their menstrual cycle. And if, if the whole idea is to treat every little uh, thing that they find, which may or may not turn out to be something. It just generates a lot of anxiety. I think mostly it came from generation of anxiety in women when they felt something. Uh, uh, but, so if you, if you actually do a breast exam, more likely than not, <clears throat> you're going to feel some differences in your breasts correct. depending on where you are in your cycle. Correct. Is that right? That's correct. And to to kind of limit that, they are now calling it breast self-awareness, uh-huh. meaning you should do breast self-examination, but do not interpret every last little thing that you see as breast cancer and don't get freaked out. Typically, they say you should wait two cycles to feel for the same area again after your cycle and see if it feels the same, getting larger, more painful, or if it is doing bad, if it is getting larger or getting more painful or it's getting fixed to the skin or underlying tissues, then it's time to pay attention to it. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo here with my guest, Dr. Talwar, and we're taking calls on anything you want to talk about. And we're leading off with a few comments about breast cancer since we're really interested in anything having to do with prevention of medical issues. And we know that over 75% of um, medical issues in Mississippi can be prevented if you're just know what to do about it. So we got a lot of suffering out there for no reason. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we'll take your call or email if you give us uh give us a call. So um let's talk a little bit about this. So if you're gonna do self examination, when is the best time of your in your woman? Uh, when is the time, best time of the month to do it? Is it after your period? Right after your period, okay. correct. And that should be a baseline exam. And following that, after every period, you should pick the same day of the month. Okay. Is and it, do you divide it up in four quadrants? Is that what how you do it? Typically, yes. So that people don't know what quadrants are. So you just t- t- make put a line across across it and across. You put correct. a cross on cross your breast. on your breast, correct. And so there are four different Areas. parts. Correct. And the upper outer part is the one where the cancers most usually show up. Is it that is right? the most common to 
How come is that? Do you know? Does anybody know about that? So usually, typically, the majority of the breast tissue is localized to the upper outer quadrant of the breast, and that's where the automatically that's you know a a lot of women i talk to don't know that the breast goes all the way their breast goes all the way up into their armpit excellent correct and and that's right that's amazing that we never taught them in school that the breast tissue goes all the way up there do you know why that why that is it's uh uh uh, developmental mm -hmm. that's where the milk line uh generates from is from the excel all the way down to the groin and the breast tissue grows along that milk line and sometimes, speaking of, you find accessory nipples all the way from the axilla down to the groin. Oh, we don't. So that's, uh, that's a developmental thing. It is. That, yes. That's uh, how God made us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, so, so, yeah, and sometimes we actually have to remove extra nipples in people, and that doesn't mean they're no. primates. It just means that uh, they have extra nipples. Extra nipples. We'll get, get like them out of there. Or if you want to keep it, you can keep it. <laughs> all right, so... Upper outer quadrant uh, is where most of the breast t- tissue is, and that goes up into your armpit, and that's where most of the cancers are going to be. And so, what is the how, how do you do um, how do you do a, a breast exam on yourself if you're a woman? Um, so, <clears throat> instead of using the tips of your fingers, you use the pulp of your fingers, and you kind of can go around from the nipple in circles. Uh, moving outward toward the breast um, and can end up in the armpit to look for changes there. Now, uh, recently, there was a uh, news segment on NBC where they also said that you should also look in the mirror and look for changes in the shape or the size of the breast. Also bend forward and look for any areas of dimpling in the skin. All those may indicate that you may have some underlying disease. So dimpling is just a little fold or a hole-like thing that develops. And so what you're really looking for is changes from baseline, right? Absolutely. So it's very important if you're going to do breast exams, which you ought to be doing, to make sure your doctor does not uh, miss doing one. Yes. where you can have a baseline. So if you have a place that's funky in your breast and the doctor says that's okay, that would be your that would be your baseline. That's right. That's when do you start doing mammograms? Uh so mammogram current recommendations are every woman when they turn 40 going annually. That means 40 and every year afterwards should get an annual screening mammogram. So what if you've had uh somebody in your family that's had breast cancer early in life? <clears throat> Uh, good question. So if you've had, if somebody, the f- a first degree relative has had breast cancer early in their life, we typically start 10 years younger than that person. Say if a mother or sister was diagnosed at age 45, we'll start that patient whose mother was diagnosed at age 35. So that's roughly the same way we do colonoscopies. If you had a cancer in a young member of your family, you start 10 years earlier. 10 years prior to, but never before age 25. We do not start screening before age 25, not with um, And what's the reason for that? Because you just don't see breast cancer in those No, that's kids? not uh, not really, but uh, typically just to prevent uh, radiation exposure to young breasts. I see. Correct. I see. I see. Very good. Well, we got a lot to talk about about breast cancer and whatever you're interested in. We've got open lines. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring We take calls on anything. I happen to have a incredibly well-educated, super expert on diagnosis of breast cancer here. If you want to talk to her, or you can talk to me about colds, flus, 
toenail fungus, or anything you want to talk about, just give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're live, and we're going to Memphis. Hey, Richard. Hey, how's it going? Good to hear from you. Happy holiday end. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just got a, a question for you guys. Um, my dad, he had a stroke um, a few years ago, and um, he kind of recovered from it. Uh, and then he turned around and had a, another stroke about a, about a year or so later. And, and, and when he had the first stroke, they found that he had syphilis when they did the MRI and then they did a spinal tap. And so they don't know how long the syphilis, I guess he doesn't know. He's kind of retired from the Navy, so he doesn't know if he got it in the Navy or how long he's had it. That's where he got it. And and now he's um his second stroke, he has bouts where he'll kind of recover. He's able to get up and walk around, and then he kind of relapses where he kind of loses control of his limbs and, and um, can't hardly move his arms. And so what I'm wondering is, just could the syphilis have done damage, kind of neuro- neurological damage, or is there a test that we can do or some way we can find out if that's a contributing factor? Because the doctors we've been going to kind of, you know, just kind of have been dismissing him, saying that it's just a result of the stroke. Okay, well, he's a veteran. And uh, so you you've got uh, you've got an, some way to get this fixed and get records. Uh, he should have had uh, when he had that spinal tap. They do a test on the spinal fluid to see if he has what's called neurosyphilis. That's syphilis in the brain. Okay, mm-hmm. and the treatment for that is different if you just have plain old syphilis and he should have received that we're looking that up right now to see what the latest recommendation on neurosyphilis is and i'm going to give it to you how much penicillin you need to get and how you where you need to get it he should have had that treatment and if he did not have that treatment he has to get it that's point a point b there are laboratory tests uh for syphilis there is a single blood test, and then there is a more specific test. Uh, there, there are two sets of tests that are done at the health department, and uh, he needs to have had those tests um, to confirm that he was successfully treated. That's the VDRL and the FTA-ABS test. Those are two tests. So is uh, is he in the state of Miss? Is he in Tennessee? Yeah, he's he's here in Tennessee. Well, that's great because you have good VAs there as well, and um, the 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 behaviors that he is having are not stroke behaviors. These you know sort of going off type stuff he's doing, mm-hmm. and that is the kind of stuff you do see with neurosyphilis. Mm-hmm. So I think you are very wise to question whether or not he was adequately treated at that time. Uh, the reason I said he got it in the Navy is that I'm from a Navy family. Mm-hmm. My uncles uh, were both uh, petty officers in the Navy, and both of them had syphilis and gonorrhea and a couple of other things <laughs> that you get in, in port when you go on leave, exactly. uh, when you're on a long trip. And so uh, that this, no matter what these soldiers were told, they got off the boats and uh, partied and got infected. And so syphilis, which was, you know, in, in World War II, it were epidemics of syphilis, 
coming back to the states from uh, sailors and army folks as well. I, I'm army. I'm not navy. I served in the army uh, because uh, my uncles uh, made me. But that's another story. Um, so th- this is not an unusual story at all. And in fact, during the more recent conflicts. Uh, uh, folks have had a lot of sexually acquired diseases as well. The problem is, is syphilis is different from the other ones in that the spirochete, which is a funny little wormy-like organism, can hang around and hide out in places, and and you don't even know you have it until you have a complication called latent or late latent syphilis, and neurosyphilis is one of those, and personality changes and acting out and um, neuropathy, peripheral neuropathy, numbness and tingling, so, uh, deadness in your uh, feeling, all kinds of things can happen. Yeah, so, he complains of that, of having uh, the tingling and numbness in his hands and his, his legs. He says sometimes they feel like they're asleep. Yeah. So the first thing I would do is make sure that he is at a recent VDRL and F-T-A-A-B-S. You can get those uh, very easily at your local health department uh, if you don't, if he's not already hooked up with the VA, because, you know, it. unfortunately, it's still a challenge. Now, I'm a VA doctor, too, so these things have gotten better now that everybody is mad at the VA about making services uh, more available. So he could either go to his private doctor, to the health department, or to uh, the VA, but those are the two tests he needs. And if he's had a stroke, the biggest risk of another stroke is having had a first stroke. And uh, so he should have had a stroke workup, and that includes some of the things our guest does, which is ultrasound, uh, imaging of the carotids and, and blood tests and so forth. So uh, if you want to know more about this, since I have some other calls, uh, I'm, I would appreciate uh, you sending me an email, and I will send you a whole info sheet on syphilis. Okay? Okay. okay. Well, thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you for that call. It's an, uh, I appreciate having the opportunity to talk about it because Mississippi, I don't know about uh, Tennessee, but Mississippi has more new cases of syphilis uh, than any place in the United States. We have a huge syphilis problem here, and it's uh, folks don't know about it. I'm going to uh, go next to Mary in Ocean Springs, and then I'm going to be going to Calhoun City in Mobile and to your house. If you give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring we have an open line, and we'd love to take your question. Hey, Mary. Hi there. Can you uh, both talk about the benefits of thermography as opposed to mammography, which is uh, exposing the breast to radiation, please? Okay. Uh, so that, thank you, Mary, for that uh, very good question. Uh, I am, as a primary care physician, totally confused about all the diagnostic tests that are available to um, to pick up breast cancer. And now you you guys in radiology have become professional detectives. You can actually see little BT stuff in there. That's right. And the problem used to be whether you could see anything, but now the problem is you can see everything and what's abnormal and what's not. So what is the routine 
uh, technique that the average Mississippian should be getting for uh, mammograms, and then what other things are available? So as we discussed earlier, starting at age 40, uh, it is the recommendation of American College of Radiology for women to get uh, start getting annual screening mammograms. Now, typically mammograms were done with 2D detection where X-ray pictures were taken of the breast in a 2D format, meaning we just kind of compress the breast, and when we take a picture, it is in the form of a photograph, so to speak. Now, at uh, University of Mississippi, we're offering a new test. It's called 3D mammography, meaning that now, because breast is a 3D structure, we can look at it in 3D. But the average person, 2D is perfectly it, adequate, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So is that, the, is that the standard of care now for mammography? Currently, yes. Okay, 2D so, mammography so is the number standard one, of care. if you're listening, uh, if you have a mammogram, you need to ask if it is a 2D mammogram which is better than the old ones right no 2d mammogram is the mammogram that is currently offered correct um and uh i was just referring to it as 2d to differentiate it from the new process but um so now to address mary's question for thermography uh it's not taught as a science thermography is not taught in any of radiology residencies or fellowships for breast imaging that I was involved in or any other fellowships that I've, um, you know. Uh, so it comes under the term of alternative medicine. Correct. It mostly And is. it basically looks at heat. Heat index, correct. Right. And, and I know, um, not much, but I know little, uh, that you can have a breast cancer that is not very vascular. Absolutely. All day long. It is, uh, it is not recommended by any of the physicians that I know as a source of annual screening for breast cancer. Because it might not show up. It might not show up. If you have a cold knot in there. Correct. It may not pick it up at all. And it may go undiagnosed for longer periods of time, and the cancer may have a chance to grow. Now, I understand that people are worried about radiation associated with breast uh, cancer screening, but let me assure you, there is... One in one million cases that will be because of, uh, maybe because of the radiation. But typically that also has something to do with if you were treated with chest radiation in your childhood and now radiation is accumulating over your uh, adult years. Mm -hmm. But no cancer that I have seen or diagnosed was because of breast cancer screening. All right, so the answer, Mary, is um, thermography is not recommended at, for breast cancer screening. 2D, which is the one that's out there, is the standard of care. And then if that is uh, abnormal and it, it, it can't not be determined whether or not the tumor is, uh, uh, something is a tumor or not, tumor means, doesn't mean it's malignant, it just means an abnormal growth, then you would do what next? So typically, uh, if I see something abnormal on a screening mammogram, we'll bring the patient back for diagnostic mammogram, meaning we take extra pictures of the same area using mammography and ultrasound. And then ultrasound helps us answer questions better, whether it is just a cyst or something solid. If it is a cyst, we usually reassure the woman that it's probably going to go away on its own. So ultrasound is radar, 
right? Sonar. Uh, uh, sonar. Yes. Submarine. Similar principle. Right. And 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 there's no radiation in that. No radiation. And um and so so you said the second step after the two D is more two D and sonar. Correct. All right. And when do you use MRIs? Uh, we use MRIs uh, in specific situations for breast cancer. Sometimes MRIs used for breast cancer screening, typically in high-risk women who have been given a certain percentage of getting increased chance of uh, developing breast cancer in their lifetime over the average woman. So there are some, some patients that actually will get MRIs for screening That's purposes. correct. All That's right, correct. we'll talk about any kind of breast stuff that you want to talk about or anything you want to talk about on this program southern remedy the original version southern remedy all things considered we're going to be back to go to calhoun city and mobile in your house we have open lines we're at one 672 or you can send us an email at southern remedy at mpbonline.org we'll be right back in just one minute from Fondren's First Thursday, this Thursday, January 5th, beginning at 5 p.m., a community event featuring local art, merchants, live music, family activities, and craft beer. More details at FondrenFirstThursday.city. MPB Radio's local programs are available now as podcasts. Sure, you love your MPB mobile app. It streams your favorite program anytime you like. But when streaming's not the thing, say, in flight or driving on the Natchez Trace, download your favorite podcast and you've got it in your pocket. Available on iTunes or on any podcast app. Grab your local MPB podcast now. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Yeah, what he said's right. We're live here on Wednesday, the original Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick, here with Dr. Talwar, who's my guest. And we're taking calls on whatever you want to talk about. Dr. Talwar is a consultant on breast cancer diagnosis. And I wanted to bring her up because I want to stick as many things in here as I can on disease prevention as we can this time of year because everybody's making New Year's resolutions and about 1% of us are keeping them. But since we know that most disease in Mississippi is preventable, 
we want to make sure we get you to do the right things to prevent it. Because when you get my age and you got grandkids, you want to hang around and see what happens to them and help them along the way. So you can't do that if you're not healthy. So uh, that's what we're about, is trying to keep you healthy. And we'll take your call on any topic, one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we have two open lines. And we're going to a very patient Norma in Calhoun City. Hey, Norma. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. And thank you for calling. How are things your way? I'm doing pretty good this morning. Kind of chilly, but no rain. It's going to get worse. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Can't what, wait. <laughs> what do y'all do in Calhoun City? Nothing. Is it uh is it near anything interesting? Well, I tell you, uh no, it's about uh, an hour from Tupelo if you want to go shopping, you uh-huh. know, major shopping uh to a mall. So it's a kind of uh, town that everybody knows everybody else's business. Exactly. It's a very sleepy town. Yeah, I I've been been there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what can we do for you? Well, thank you. Um, I was wondering what kind of suggestions you would have for a patient that's under a doctor's care for ulcerative colitis, mm-hmm. but uh, it doesn't really seem to be controlling flare-ups and their major, major flare-ups. Okay. Um, so ulcerative colitis is an autoimmune disease that involves um, uh, the bowel, primarily the lower bowel, the colon, although it can go other places. And it is characterized by bloody diarrhea and abdominal pain that come from ulceration uh, of the lining of the colon, uh, secondary to uh, an aberration of the immune response. The body thinks there's a bacteria or some kind of other organism invading the gut and that's not the truth and so white blood cells go out of the uh, bloodstream into the gut and screw it up they they these white blood cells have all kinds of killer stuff in them all kinds of enzymes and chemicals to kill bacteria and when they dump them in the lining of the gut inappropriately it causes disease and since there's blood vessels in there, it can cause bleeding because it damages the blood vessels and causes these big ulcers in there. And when you look at them through a colonoscope, uh, an endoscope, you can see these nasty, looks like ulcers that you get blisters in your mouth, but they're all over uh, what's usually a beautiful uh, lining of healthy mucosa, lining of your gut. So that's what the disease is, and we have had a revolution in the treatment of uh, this problem because we have these new drugs called biologics, and you've heard of drugs like Humira, and there's actually one new biologic that's specifically for uh, ulcerative colitis uh, that can be used, but Humira is still used uh, predominantly, but there's there's a new one, too. We'll try to see if I can figure out the, the name of it. They all have names that you would not give your grandkids, uh, weird names like Zubarugababab. And uh, so so the treatment used to be uh, uh, aspirin-like drugs. Then they would add on Imuran, azathioprine, and now we have the biologics, and some people are using the biologics, which are infusions 
uh, things like or subcutaneous injections like Humira. And so if a person is on treatment and is not doing well, the treatment is changed. You don't just sit around and let somebody not do well with it. So because we have so many options and unfortunately with biologics, it's just like any depressants. We don't know which one will work. We've got a slew of them and we have no way yet. We will in a couple of years because personalized medicine is on the way. And our guest today is actually one person who does personalized medicine. Um, uh, We don't have any way to know which one to use. We have to experiment. And uh, that means we have to take people off of what isn't working and put them on something is working and see if it works. And patients don't get that. Patients want something that works 100%. And so they get mad at the doctor because he tried a new medicine, didn't work, and they go somewhere else or so forth and so on. So what I would recommend for uh, your loved one that uh, has ulcerative colitis, if they're not doing well, they should ask their doctor uh, what class of therapy are they on. Are they on an aspirin compound, an immunosuppressive like Imuran, or a biologic? And the doctor should be able to say uh, which one and whether there's a combination. And if the doctor's not willing to dialogue about that, then you need a second opinion. Okay. And if it's not working... The doctor needs to offer um, uh, a another therapy. For instance, the new one for uh, ulcerative colitis yeah. these days, they are um, infliximab and tons of other stuff. It's like, uh, like you said, uh, biologic treatments. They're doing lots of trials uh, besides the betamethasone and infliximab. They're now doing azathioprine, cyclosporin. And there is um, some other adalimubab and uh, some other drugs. Yeah, tons of options. I forgot to say that uh, when people first get this, they frequently get steroids to simmer it down. But we don't keep people on long-term steroids because they get all kinds of side effects. So it sounds like he needs probably he or she needs to get a second opinion. Uh, and there are a lot of gastroenterologists out there who are very knowledgeable about this. Is, was that helpful, Norma? Uh, yes, it was. It really was. Um, the uh, biologic treatment, uh, I'm sorry, I did not get the name of the drug that sometime they would use on Infliximab, I-N-F-L-I-X-A-M-A-B. I-N-F-L-I-X-A-M-A-B. It's called Humira, I think. Uh, is it right oh, okay. Now? Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, okay. Humera. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so very much. All right. Good to talk to you. We've got open lines. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring We'll take your call if you give us a call or send us an email. We're sitting here. you got two doctors sitting here in a room answering your questions, and it's for free. You better take advantage of it before it blows away. Let's go to Jesse in Mobile. Hey, Jesse. Hey, good morning. How's it going? I can't think of a better place to be during the holidays than Mobile. Did you watch the, uh, what was that drop that you do there? Uh, they do a giant edible moon pie. <laughs> moon pie drop. Where else on this planet would anybody think of dropping a moon pie than in Mobile, Alabama? Well, if you get hit with like Mardi Gras, it keeps 
you in mind, whether you get the chocolate or the banana. Yeah, you can get a variety. Yep. So did you participate in the Mardi Gras activities, or were you a hermit during uh, New Year's Eve? No, it was raining cats and dogs, and I was safely sheltering in place. <laughs> well, that, it's probably a safe thing to shelter in place anytime during it, because there's some major fireworks going on over your head. What's your question? Uh, on the exam, have they changed the technique from the raising the elbow above the head and flattening the hand as if you're giving a salute for the four quadrants? Okay. I didn't hear that part. All right. So you're, you're talking about the self-breast yep. self-exam. And right. we, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, you brought that up because there's a good way to do it in a bad way. So hang on and let's go through that. So uh, we're talking about the self-breast exam that is not necessarily recommended by all the groups, but most people who are actually doctors that are doing day-to-day diagnosis and treatment of breast cancer do. And so he's talking about where you're supposed to put your hand behind your head and uh, and then uh, you're supposed to... Uh, uh, put your hands down and look in the mirror, and then you're supposed to lay back. And whether you're supposed to do it in the shower with soap. Um, and by the way, one thing we didn't mention when you said it before, I think the best person, really the best person to do a breast exam is your significant other on you uh, because they're a much more objective uh, and they can get a better feel than you feeling yourself. So if you have a significant other, it's good to have two breast exams every month after your period uh, and teach that person how to do it well. So how do you do uh, self-breast right? Um, so I think you have to first vis- visually inspect the breast for changes in the nipple, in the skin, like we talked about earlier, in the size of the breast also. So what are you looking for? So you're looking for skin changes, which may include dimpling or an orange pea-like appearance, feeling for warmth uh, if the skin feels warmer, uh, in one quadrant versus another. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're also, uh, you have to bend forward and look in the mirror for dimpling if it's not uh, readily apparent. Then, I, like I discussed earlier, with the pulp of your fingers, you're supposed to feel uh, from the nipple outwards going around the breast in circles. Or you can start from outwards and come inside. So a target. You try to make a target. But it makes more sense to start with the breast, and, uh, the nipple. nipple right. And people forget to feel under, under the, the nipple, nipple because things can hang out in there, right? Right. There's about 10% of breast cancers mm-hmm. that do. So you have to sort of poke your finger under the nipple and, to do that. Or, yes, or you can lift the nipple up and kind of feel underneath. And then okay. from the top, you can do the same thing. Okay. Um, so not to my knowledge, the, the technique has not changed. Okay. Um, whatever... Um, However, you feel like you've thoroughly examined the breast, and whatever works for you is the best way yeah. to. But usually, the breast. usually we recommend that you do do it in two positions, right? Correct. Up, upright. Yes. And that's where you tend to put your hand behind your head and feel it, and look in the mirror, and then flat right. where you you do it. And you can use um, oils or in the showers and stuff Just like that too, yeah. if that helps you feel better. Is that okay? Yep, and don't forget to warm your hands or the response you get from the patient may not be a favorite one. You are a sensitive guy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Only a guy from Mobile would come up with that uh, accessory 
to the exam. <laughs> yes, right. and good music is also another good idea. But anyway, anything we can get you to do to do it, Jesse, you made my day. Thank you. Let's go to another caller in Mobile, Lisa, and we'll go to your call if you give us a call at one eight seven seven. I'm saying it slow. Six seven two seven four six four one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We have open lines. Hey, Lisa, everybody from Mobile's calling. You're one of them. You there? Yes. Is this me? That's you. Oh, oh yes, sir. Um, uh, my question is regarding any information that you might have on the new uh, announcement of uh, the new organ that was previously undiscovered in the intestinal tract. Okay, we'll answer that question and tell you all you need to know about that. Uh, if you'll tell me whether you went to the moon drop, uh, the the moon pie drop. Well, actually, I didn't because it was freezing cold, and I had my dogs, and it was raining, and, you know, yada, da, da, da. Um, uh, I wanted to. I was there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they came up with that, there was a big controversy in Mobile about whether that was a waste of money. And I thought it was the best idea ever because it generated a lot of traffic downtown uh, and made the businesses make a little money, which went into the tax base. What do you think about that? No comment. Okay, so let's talk about the new organ system. We're talking about that fatty connection that connects the the gut together. And can you see that radiologically? Yes, uh, only when it's uh, diseased. You see it the best. Now, what do you call it? Mesentery. Mesentery. So um, the best way I think to think about the mesentery is sort of like an umbrella. If you open an umbrella, hmm, um, there's this that black stuff between the spines of the umbrella. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have the part between the spines, then the whole thing would just collapse into a wad. Right. And so we have this sort of uh, thin material. It looks almost like nylon hose. Yes. Uh, or hose. I don't know what, no, good, good I don't know what hose are made of. Uh, hose. And when you pick the guts up during surgery and spread them out, it, it makes all this looks like an umbrella. And we found out that this stuff actually is an organ because it has uh, communicators, signals in it that are released to the brain and have to do with eating. It drives your eating. We, it's the so-called gut hormones now. Mm-hmm. So for the first time, we understand why it is so difficult to lose weight after you put it on. We are actually polar bears, and we are uh, genetically set up to uh, sustain long periods uh, of not eating. Because our early ancestors, we were selected... Uh, we're here because our early ancestors were the ones that could survive starvation. The people who couldn't uh, survive starvation did not reproduce. So we are good polar bears. We can survive not eating for long periods of time. And And when we do eat, we retain fat, which prepares us for the next episode of starvation. The problem is now we, we eat too much, too many calories, and retain too much fat. Yeah, and I don't think in modern day world there is 
at least not in America, not much room for starvation. That's right. That's right. So uh, what happens is, is that those hormones, when you start losing weight, those hormones in your gut are turned on and they make you hungry because the body is set up to retain fat, not get rid of it. So every time you gain fat, uh, those hormones are revved up just like your thermostat, and it makes it harder and harder to lose weight. Uh, I have a a weight problem. Uh, I am um, uh, genetically about 10 pounds over where I should be. And every time I get that 10 pounds of weight on, I have to go uh, increase my exercise program and cut my calories back. But And during that period, which lasts for a year, every time I do that, I will. Uh, my wife has to put chain-link fence around the refrigerator <laughs> because I will get up in the middle of the night and go in there and eat ice cream. And uh, that is because those hormones are uh, revved up for at least a year. So that's what that new organ is. It's called the mesentery, and we have a ringer to prove it. I hope that helped you. <laughs> Well, and who's our next uh, caller? Uh, Rick, let's go to uh, Richard in Gulfport. Okay. Hey, Richard, what's going on? All right, I hit the wrong button. Let's go to Chris in Columbus first. Okay. Chris, how are you? You there, Chris? Well, I don't know what happened to Chris. I think we hit a, hit the wrong number again. Okay, now, how about now? Okay. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? You're on Southern Remedy. Mike, I'm a big fan of your show, man. Listen as much as I can. Well, we appreciate it, and thanks for your call. What's going on? Well, I've got uh, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, the first one is about just general upkeep. I'm uh, 33 years old, and I never go to the doctor for anything at all unless I absolutely have to. And I'm curious about uh, what I need to be on the lookout for in this year and the coming year. I'm just a little bit overweight, about I'd say about 25 pounds overweight for my ideal weight, and I'm a smoker trying to quit. That's one of my New Year's resolutions. Um, and uh, so I'd like to know what I need to be on the lookout for this year and in the future, the near future. Um, also, and this is my main question, has to do with um, a sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, my I work in manufacturing, and my uh, business has recently gone to a rotating shift schedule Mm -hmm. where I will work a 12-hour shift for six days, Mm -hmm. take three days off, and then work the opposite shift for another six days and take three days off. So it's a big-time workload, and I'm wondering how I can manage that with with a a sleep cycle. Okay. That that, that is one of the best questions we've had of late, and thank you for both of them. And they're both related, so let me just sort of – get into that and maybe our guest will have some thoughts as well um number one uh the most important thing you can do to uh make you healthier is to stop smoking that clearly is the big benefit just about every cancer that we it's been looked at has been increased, including breast cancer. That's correct, right? including breast cancer. Yeah, and uh, so uh, we know that the average smoker has seven years of life lost from smoking. Okay, seven, that's the average. So some more, some less. And uh, smoking uh, not only causes cancer, but it also causes cardiovascular disease, which can be a slow death. 
so that would be, of all the things you could do, that would be the most important. Uh, for the average person who's a non-smoker, uh, the best thing to do is know your family well. The genetics are really a large part of what happens to you, and you need to know what everybody in your family, at least the first-degree relatives and maybe the second-degree, so that would be grand uh, grandfather and great-grandfather, uncles, great-uncles, all those people died of because on both sides of the family because that's what you're more than likely going to die of, and most everything is preventable. High blood pressure, strokes, um, uh, heart attacks, elevated cholesterol, uh, smoking, lung cancer, and breast cancer, and all kinds of cancer, and cardiovascular disease, so forth and so on. So if you find out what uh, they died of, you can usually prevent that or at least delay it by doing the right thing. Statins, if your cholesterol screwed up, uh, weight control, uh, if you have obesity, and so forth. So the big things are uh, keeping uh, your ideal body weight, which you can Google and look up for your height and weight, and not smoking and not doing drugs. Those are the biggies. And uh, you'll give yourself seven years right there <clears throat> with that package. And that's a place to start. So far as sleep cycles, a lot of people are working shift work now. We know that shift work is associated with an increased risk of several different illnesses and a lot of psychological problems. And, uh, and sleep disturbance itself is associated with uh, depression and uh, with automobile accidents and so forth. So <clears throat> when you're a rapid cycler like that and you change back and forth, uh, it's very important to make sure you, you get your eight hours of rest. And when you cycle, uh, you have to make it night during the day. And that's the big problem. And people don't do that. That means that no caffeine uh, for at least three hours before it, you go to sleep. Uh, that means a dark room with whatever kind of noise makes you sleepy. Many people get sleep machines that are cyclers like you are, and you can get those uh, at Bed Bath & Beyond or online, or I don't know whether the big box stores have them, but I know that Bed Bath & Beyond, which I have no stock in but would like some if you'll send me, uh, has every kind of noise machine from one that costs $12 to one that's uh, $100. So I hope that's helpful, and it's been great having our special guest, Dr. Talwar, from the University of Mississippi Medical Center Breast Center, and it's been great having you on our program. Southern Remedy is a production of public broadcasting. Our producer is Jay White, and I think our who was our who was our screener today? It's uh, our new guy, Java Chapman. Java Chapman was our screener today. And we uh, hope that you'll listen again because we replay Sunday at 6 a.m. So if you're bored at 6 a.m., give us a call. No, no, we'll be back again same time, same place, right here next week. Now it's NPR's Here and Now. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue mobile app. 
More at bcbsms.com. A couple of cold fronts will be moving on through between now and Saturday. That may give us an opportunity for some wintry weather. The first front that's moving through on Thursday may contain a little snowfall, mainly for the northern third.